Well, uh, welcome, uh, faithful remnant. <laughs> it's been a bit like that. Uh, I emptied the rain gauge out last night, um, uh, this morning. Uh, our, our rain gauge is 150 millimetres. I've emptied it out six times since Wednesday. <laughs> so that's 900 millimetres, um, let alone what's happened this morning. <laughs> so a metre of rain. Wow. Anyway, um, it's lovely to see you, Justin and Lisa and Isaac. Lovely to see you. Let's pray. Father, it's just over one week until what we know it as Christmas Day. Uh, thank you for the Christ, the Messiah. Thank you for sending your son. Please speak to us this morning and please help us to live in light of him. Amen. Friends, I'm Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Uh, they are so different and yet they are so much the same. And when it comes to differences, one thing that is different is the family trees that Matthew and Luke include. You could say that Mark and John are not into family trees. That's right. Matthew and Luke are. Mark and John aren't. Out of interest, uh, who here is into family trees? Come on, hands up. Sue? Pat? Jen? <laughs> Well, some of us love family trees and the details they provide, but some of us are more like Mark and John <laughs> and not into them. I must admit that I've never been that interested in family trees. When people tell me they are researching their family tree, I usually tell them that I can save them a lot of time. We all go back to Noah and we all go back to Adam. <laughs> but that is just me on this very wet day. <laughs> Well, whether we are more like a Matthew or a Mark or a Luke or a John, there is one family tree that we need to be interested in, and it's Jesus' family tree. God would have not gotten Matthew and Luke to put it in the Bible if it was not that important. God obviously thought it was of great importance to have it recorded in the Bible and twice. Once in Matthew chapter 1 and once in Luke chapter 3. Now you'll see in your bulletin a printout of Matthew's family tree and I've made some bits bold. Matthew has certainly added those bits for a reason. Now we won't get to look at them all today, but we will look at some of them. Now Matthew has recorded for us a family tree that goes all the way, yes, all the way from Abraham to Jesus, and that included a, a lot of very difficult names. Yes, well done, Paul. That is basically 2,000 years of history and includes at least 42 generations. This is mind-blowing stuff. Mind-blowing. Think about it. In history classes, we were taught that, well, I was taught that James Cook claimed Australia in 1770. That is only 253 years ago. We're talking about 2,000 years ago. We, if Australian-born, have trouble tracing things back to a possible convict ancestry of 200 years, but here we are talking about 2,000 years. Ten times that. Yes, mind-blowing stuff. I don't know about you, but I don't even know my great-great-grandparents' names. Here we have Jesus, great, times 38, 
38 grandfather's name. And do you know what it is? Abraham. But if you want something more, that is if you are really into family trees like my wife is, <laughs> have a read of Luke chapter 3. He goes back another 2,000 years or 4,000 years of generations in total, right back to Adam, Eve's husband. And Paul's going to read that to us next week, aren't you, Paul? <laughs> Very mind-blowing stuff indeed. You could say that the Bible is not just full of Jesus, it is also full of historical data, much more than you and I, much more than we could ever do. So let's have a look at verse 1 from Matthew chapter 1. Uh, We're told in the very first verse, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. That is God's chosen one, anointed by him, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Hi, Yuki. Hi, Tom. Hi, Kenji. We're all down the front here, the faithful remnant. (laughs) We're not in the back room. We're all down here. I bet Sue might give you some stuff. Did you ride on your push bike all the way here? You walked all the way here. (laughs) Thank you for your example of commitment. We have two children too. I believe that this verse, Matthew 1.1, tells us exactly what Matthew wants to show his readers. He wants to show them that Jesus is the Messiah that Israel has been waiting on. Matthew is simply saying, look, Jesus is the Messiah. Look, here is also added proof. Jesus is the son of David. Jesus is also the son of Abraham. He is the one God said he would send. That is, Jesus is the descendant or key step of the line of David some 1,000 years ago and is also the descendant of Abraham some 2,000 years ago, just as God promised the Messiah will be. Hence why we had read to us Psalm 89. Uh, We are repeatedly told in the Old Testament that God will send a Messiah or a branch, as we are told in Zechariah and Isaiah, who is from the line of Abraham and from the line of David. That, no doubt, very much limits who the Messiah could be. And that's my first point this morning. Now, what's so important about Jesus' family tree? It shows us that Jesus is of the nation and family out of which the Messiah was to come. God, in approximately 2000 BC, said to Abraham that the whole world will be blessed through him not one of his brothers or sisters, but through him. God even made a covenant with him about that. That is, he promised him. Dan mentioned that last week in his sermon. And so Israel waited and waited. They knew that through their father Abraham, God would deliver great blessing to them. And as one reads the rest of the scriptures, you find that Israel was very proud that Abraham was their father. No doubt because of this very promise. 
this is where I mention you again, Steph, makes me think, maybe we should sing Father Abraham. <laughs> I must admit, though, that I don't think that many in the nation of Israel fully realised what God had said to Abraham. He said, all the people will be blessed through him, not just the Israeli people. God was actually on about something much bigger than many of them had perhaps realised. God also made a covenant, a promise with David. Now, this is some 1,000 years later. But now I guess many of the Israeli people would have thought, when on earth is God going to deliver on his promise to Abraham? <laughs> like now it's even been extended to David. And I think it's fair to say that when David came along, some thought that David himself was the Messiah. After all, Israel was on the crest of a wave, you could say, when he was king. The answer, but the answer from God was a clear no. He was not the Messiah. But God's Messiah would come through his descendants. One needs to remember an important point here, that when Jesus arrived, it had been around a thousand years. That's a long time since God reiterated pretty much the very same things to David. And to add to that, it was around 400 years since the last Old Testament prophecy. Yes, God was pretty quiet for a very long time before Jesus arrives on the scene. And so the Jews uh, would have been absolutely hanging out by this point. And so here he is now. It's been a long time coming, some would have said, but others might have questioned, is he really the one that God has, had promised to Abraham? Is he really the one that God had also promised to David? Is he really the one that God had spoken to us about for a very long time and reminded us through the prophets? Well, enter Jesus' family tree in Matthew. He certainly is as far as Matthew is concerned. And he goes to length to show us such through this family tree. Not only is Jesus a descendant of Abraham, he is also a descendant of David, irrespective of how long it has been. You're right, Beth. <laughs> That's why it, it just makes everyone... Stay awake. Keep focused. <laughs> uh, that's why by the time of Jesus, some, many referred to him, well, cried out to him. What did they cry out to him? Son of David. That phrase is actually mentioned ten times in Matthew. Son of David. Let's move on. What's so important about Jesus' family tree? The second thing is this. It shows us that God's understanding of time is nothing like ours. Can you imagine God saying to you at, say, the age of 25, what he basically said to Abraham and to David? The Messiah will come through you. The Messiah will be one of your descendants. I promise you this. This is my covenant with you. And then you get to 40. 
and still nothing. You get to retirement age and still nothing. You are in Regis aged care facility (laughs) and still nothing. And then you die. So your son thinks, God must be going to bring the Messiah through me if it wasn't through my dad. And so you get to 40, 60, and still nothing. And then you die. So now it's the grandson's turn. He thinks maybe it is going to happen in my lifetime. But then you start to think maybe God has forgotten. Well, add to this 40-odd generations. 2,000, yes, 2,000 years. And I'm thinking, no doubt they were thinking, God has probably forgotten. And then you remember, well, I do, (laughs) Psalm 90. You know Psalm 90? Good psalm to read. Not hard names in it either. (laughs) It's a psalm written by that great leader of God's people, Moses, who was sort of in the middle of that period between Abraham and David. And he wrote this psalm. It is verse 4 that we need to look at. Now, how about we read it together? This verse is referring to God. Together, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. (laughs) Therefore, one could say from God's point of view, the time from Abraham to the arrival of the Messiah, Jesus, was not 2,000 years. It is only like two days or two watches in a night. One could also say that from God's point of view, the death and resurrection of Jesus was just the other night. And so his promise to return to judge us on our response to Jesus, that is who he is, the Messiah, God's son, and what he's done for us, perfectly lived and awfully died but gloriously rose to save us from the penalty of our sins, was just the other day. But to say that is really missing the point. The point is that God is not bound by time, like we are. Compare also to Peter 3.8. You know what? I'm sometimes like God. Sue's always telling me that I have no concept of time. (laughs) And just as I can annoy Sue, so too does that annoy us. God is not bound by time. And so when he says things, we think he can be so slow to deliver. We may even start to think that he is forgotten to deliver. You can write this down on your outline. Time may exercise our patience but time never weakens any of God's promises. Yes, 2,000 years didn't weaken God's promise of a Messiah. Good to see you, Pete. (laughs) 
Jesus did come just as God had promised to Abraham and David. Likewise, a few thousand years will not weaken God's promise that Jesus will return to judge all people, including us at NHA. It might be beyond time, but his timing is perfect. We in this quick fix, instant everything or else society don't like to wait for things. But this, his first coming and now his second coming might seem to us to be thousands of years, but not to him. What's so important about Jesus' family tree, the third and final reason today is this, it shows us that God's plans are not thwarted by our behaviour. And I mean good, indifferent or simply outrightly bad behaviour. At one level, it doesn't matter. God's plans will not be thwarted. There is such a mix of people here in this family tree. And Matthew helps us with his little comments, comments that I've put in bold. There are heroes of faith like Abraham, Isaac, Ruth and David. There's some very ordinary names like, I should get Paul to read these out, Hezron, <laughs> Ram, Nashon and Akim. Actually, for Akim, this is the only mention of his name in the whole Bible. <laughs> there are some very shady characters like Rahab and Tamar. There are some very evil people like Manasseh and Abijah. And if you're into family trees, you might have thought there were some undesirables in yours. Well, here we have prostitution, adultery, murder and incest. Yes, what a family tree indeed. For example, what's behind... Verse 3 is incest. What's behind verse 6 is murder and adultery. And did you notice something about that verse? Bathsheba isn't even mentioned by name. But David is, and he's mentioned as king. Yes, king of Israel. It makes us realise, or made me realise, that Israel was sadly not that great a nation. He might have ridden on the crest of a wave as their king, but as you know, you know the Bible, he stacked it big time. And in the, in, then in verse 10, we read of one of the evilest kings that Israel has had, Manasseh. He even sacrificed his sons, yes, he did, sacrificed his sons to a pagan god, 2 Chronicles 33. Imagine doing that. Yes, we look down at this list of names and we see a lot of serious personal sin in the lives of the leaders of Israel. We also see, thanks to Matthew, the sins of the nation as a whole with his very mention of the exile to Babylon, something that is the background to the whole book we spent weeks on looking at, 
Zechariah. And so we see the disobedience of individuals as well as the disobedience of the nation, Israel. Yet, yet, God still keeps his promises. And aren't we glad? Like, when I sometimes look at the state of the churches in the world today, Anglican churches included, I'm so glad that God's plans will never be thwarted by our behaviour. When I look at some of the church leaders in the world today, Anglican churches included, I'm so glad that God's plans will never be thwarted by our behaviour. When I look at how complacent and comfortable and lukewarm some churches are today, Anglican churches included, I'm so glad that God's plans will never be thwarted by our behaviour. Likewise, when I see how many self-confessing Christians give church a miss, not because they're isolated, but <laughs> uh, because of the slightest hiccup in their life or a clash with another engagement, I'm so glad that God's plans will never be thwarted by our behaviour. When I see so many self-confessing Christians so preoccupied, it seems, with discouraging words and comments rather than encouraging words and comments, I'm so glad that God's plans will never be thwarted by our behaviour. And friends, when I look at my own life, my family leadership as a husband, father and grandfather, as well as my church leadership as your pastor, I'm so glad that God's plans will never be thwarted by my behaviour. God will achieve his dream at the perfect time. He will finish building the kingdom that his son, the branch, the Messiah, the Christ, his chosen one, has started. It's a kingdom he promised to Abraham and to David. It will be a kingdom of people who love him. So, Will you be there? Will you be in his kingdom? Will I be in his kingdom? It all depends on our response to his Messiah. May we therefore respond rightly. Next week, rather than the importance of Jesus' family tree, we will be looking at something else that is very important. Yes, on Christmas Eve, we're looking at the importance of Jesus' Birth. Amen. Thank you all. Thanks, Bob.